Today, I'm going um, to be preaching out of Luke, actually three different places in Luke that we're going to get to, but let me, let me get to where, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to go, I'm going to say. We're two weeks away from Easter, two Sundays away, uh, the, potentially the biggest day of the year for people that aren't traditionally in church to be in church, because there is a, especially in the South, there's this kind of feeling or obligation that, you know, it is Easter and I should be in church. So it, it amplifies people's interest in potentially going to a church, which increases the odds and gives you favor as you begin to say, hey, I would love for you to come to church with me on Sunday. So today, I'm going to talk about this big idea that God has called us to prepare the way, which seems odd. You know, why would he use flawed people to do his work? Why would he not just do it? But his mission and his work has always been through flawed people, which is amazing. And so we're going to go there. But let me let me just prep you because you're like, well, Heath, I don't feel comfortable having conversations with people. I, I don't feel comfortable, um, you know, inviting somebody to church. And we can talk about that. Like, why, why wouldn't you feel comfortable inviting somebody to church? You're here. Do you not feel comfortable here? Well, you're still here, so hopefully you do. Let me, let me take this away. Uh, I was riding with a friend the other day, and we rode down um, the road. I won't mention the restaurant he said never to go to because that's mean. Uh, but we passed this place, and he's like, I've heard so much about it. And he was like, don't ever go. He's like, have you been there? And I was like, no, I've never been there. And he was like, don't ever go there. It seems like it's going to be awesome. I can't even give details. Cause I don't I've not been there, so I cannot judge the restaurant. But he's like, don't ever go there. And a little bit later, we passed a place that is like one of my favorites in Wilmington. Uh, I don't know who's going to KM38 or K38. Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to evangelize a restaurant. Because you can do that. Like if you go somewhere that you like, it's easy to go, oh my gosh, you should go there. You, I'm just, right now, I'm thinking about their, they, they have, in my opinion... They have some of the best, like, homemade salsa ever. Chips and salsa. If you like chips and salsa, it is awesome. Just great. A great mixture. It's not too thick. It's not too thin. It's not too... I mean, it's just great. And they have this one thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty typical in the sense that, like, when I go to a restaurant and I find something I like, that's all I eat. I don't like to be disappointed. Especially when it comes to food and you're paying for it. Like, you want to, like... I like it. Like, I don't gamble. I gamble when I go to eat with other people and they're paying for it. You know what I'm saying? You ever do that? Like, say, you know, they're paying for it. I was like, I'm going to try this because I would never buy it. But I might like it. And it might be your next favorite thing. But, like, when I'm paying for it, I'm going with the guarantee that I'm going to like it. And so I have this one. I think it's a, um, um, no, no. Those are good. Uh, Carolina Ale House. Um, but they have this, I think it's an enchilada. I get flour, not corn. Um, but they have this, and it sounds weird, but it's amazing. Shrimp, bacon, pineapple, enchilada. Who just said ooh? Shame on you. Shame on you. Okay, and then, okay, then here's what they do next. They put barbecue sauce on the top of it. <laughs> okay, let me just tell you. That's what I'm getting. It is amazing. I mean, their black beans are awesome, and they're right. I mean, it's just awesome. And, and see, when I've been there, because of my experience, it's easy for me, because we rode right by this place. And I'm like, man, have you been here? 
Like, this is awesome. And, and, and you even want to go, like, hey, you want to you go there? Like, we didn't. It was early in the morning. It wasn't open. But, you know, it'd be easy to just go, hey, let's go to this place. There's one, another place in town uh, my wife's not a huge, huge fan of, but, like, any time I can, like, go out to eat during the day. Uh, anybody ever gone to Flamin' Amy's Bowl? Okay. More people seem to like that one than K-38. Try K-38. Yeah, but the bowl is the same thing. Like, Jody's not, and it's not because she doesn't like it. She's just not her style of food, and that's fine. But, like, you know, so I was like, hey, we're in Wilmington. Let's go somewhere for lunch, and it just might be Flamin' Amy's Bowl. Um, though some people don't like the bowl, and that's all right. But the thing is, when you like something, when you're willing to spend your money on it, when you're willing to go there, it's easy for you to go, have you tried this place? I mean, everybody right now is probably thinking of maybe in rebuttal going in and in a heath. This place has the best salsa. This place has the best hamburger. This place has the best whatever. And, and we could stop church right now or continue church and start having conversations with each other. And each of you could probably sell the other on a restaurant in town easily. Like I wouldn't have to bait you. I wouldn't have to guilt you into recommending a restaurant. Like, I just don't feel like committing to the... I mean, you pray easily because you have your favorite place. Now, there might be some judgment on what your favorite place is. You know, like barbecue sauce and shrimp and pineapple and bacon and a couple of the ooze that you got. You might get somebody that does that, but it's easy. And so what I want to do this morning is I, I want to release you us into the reality that God uses us, flawed people, to bring people into the presence of the king. Here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's the beauty, really, of church is that it's not even even me like this is I'm the senior pastor of the church. It is my responsibility. But in the end, it is not me that saves you. I'm not your savior. I'm not. God incarnate, you know, I'm not Jesus, like, in a lesser form. I'm just a messenger called, just like all of us, even though this is my job, called to bring people into the presence of the person who can change everything. I mean, we were singing these songs earlier, this, this, this person that can change us completely. Completely can take us from broken Lost people, and in that moment, can utterly change us. Amazing grace, this grace that he's given us, this is what we have. So what I want to do this morning, I'm going to take a venture into Luke, and I, I, I want to get to the end of this and go, look, I don't want you to invite everybody to church. Who do you not want us to invite? That's not what I'm saying. I just don't want you to invite one person. I want you to be responsible over the next two weeks of going, hey, I would love for you to come to church with me on Easter. I'd love for you to come to church with me next week after Good Friday. I'd love for you to come here just one. I think sometimes we hand out these cards and there's a card intentionally on all your seats and we give you a stack of cards and it loses kind of the value when you have a lot and you're just like, you know, food line at the checkout. Hey, you know, car. And they're like, oh, thanks, trash. But one of the strongest ways to get people into something is a personal invitation. 
not a piece of paper. This is just a tool, but it's you getting to know them, inviting them to church. So let me start, um, actually let me start with prayer and then we're going to jump into Luke 1. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that, um, <laughs> that you've made good food, for one, and good salsa in restaurants that we can enjoy. But more than that, we thank you for you. And Lord, as we move into this season of recognizing that without the cross, we have nothing. Without your favor, without your divine intervention, Lord, we wander through our life and we miss the goodness that you have for us. We miss the joy and the peace that you promise your children. But today, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see you for who you truly are. To see you for the one who does the work. And that we are just the men and women who prepare the way. So Lord, thank you for that calling. Lord, I pray that that wouldn't be something that other people do. It would be something that we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Luke 1, you see the, the, the finished product. And we talked about this not too long ago with John the Baptist, whose father, Zachariah, was... Not confronted, but he was in the Holy of Holies and the angel came down and said, hey, you know, he's an old guy. His wife was an older lady and he said, you're going to have a child. And he questioned in the Holy of Holies when an angel appears to him, he questioned, how is that going to be? Because I'm old and my wife is old and we're barren. We've not had any children. How is this going to work? And for nine, ten months, John's father was silent. He's like, that's fine. That's fine. It's going to happen. Because God, the, I was in the presence of God and God told me this and I'm telling it to you and it's going to happen. But for the next 10 months, you're going to be silent. You're not going to have words to say. You're not going to have anything. You're just going to sit there. And, and he sat there. I mean, he came out of the tent and was like. I mean, can you imagine not being able to speak, but you want to share that you just had this encounter with the living God. And for all of these hundreds of years of silence, finally, God is speaking again. And the day come comes where John the Baptist is born and there the family is like, oh, what is his name going to be? And the mom's like, we're going to call him John. And the rest of the family is like, there's no one in our family named John. Like, no. Nah. And they're like, well, what about the father? And he's like, give me a piece of paper. And he writes down, his name is going to be John. And as soon as he says that, his silence is broken. And he begins to pray and, I mean, not pray, he prays and worship God the Father. And he goes into this song, this kind of prophetic song about his son. And he said these words, starting in verse 76, chapter 1, verse 76 through 79. And he's talking about John the Baptist because this was the, the purpose of John the Baptist, the, the, the prophetic voice that said there would be one coming before Jesus, before the Messiah to prepare the way. In verse 76, it says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. Listen to this. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness from their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And I, I'm not saying that we're John the Baptist. OK, we're 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 not the, the prophet of the Lord that was sent directly to usher in the coming of the Messiah. But the same call that John the Baptist has been given has been given to us. Notice it was not John the Baptist who saved anyone. It was not John the Baptist that that gave salvation. He just gave knowledge of salvation to his peoples and forgiveness of their sins. Talking about the tender mercy of God, he was just preparing a way. Can you imagine like he was born? He, you know, I don't know what he did in his early life, but as soon as he was ready, like he went out into the wilderness and disappeared and put on some camel skin and a leather belt and that locust and honey. See, he didn't have K-38. He didn't have salsa. He just had locusts and honey. Just in case you don't know what a locust is, that's a cricket. Like, that's not something I would pick off the menu when I'm paying for it or somebody else is paying for it. <clears throat> and he came back in and, and, and just started preaching in the wilderness, preaching on the forgiveness of sin and people were coming out and getting baptized in droves because they were wanting and looking for and waiting for the Messiah. And, and here's John the Baptist that's out there declaring the truth and, and calling people to repentance, which is turning away from the behaviors into the loving mercy of God. See, we are called, all of us, me and you included, or me and anyone in this room who considers themselves a child of God, is called to share what we know about Jesus. It is our call. I mean, if you don't think so, then we, we can go into Matthew 28, where the Great Commission is given. He has given us, his children, this call to teach all and baptize in his name and teach them all that he's taught us. And so if you skip forward to um, Luke 10, we're going to go back to Luke 5 to a story um, about Jesus healing a paraplegic. But before that, in um, chapter 10, we see Jesus sending out the 72. So this isn't even the, the 12. This is the 72. This is a, a larger group of people. And look at this. And th this is. Honestly, one of the verses that kind of spoke to me, or not kind of spoke to me, but one of the verses that spoke to me in preparation to move to a new city and to plant a new church. In verse 1, it says, After the Lord appointed the 72 others and sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. To the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Look at this. Jesus tells them, go into every town and place where he himself was about to go. It wasn't their work. They weren't selling themselves. They were preparing the way for Jesus to come in and do what only Jesus could do. And he gave them specific instructions and they went out and they were so excited of what they saw. And God was like, hey, forget the excitement about this, that you healed that or that you did this. And thank the Lord for his mercy. So we are 
not only called to share what we know, but we're, we're called to go and serve. We're called to go out in our world. And, and there's so many, you may think, well, I, you know, I don't have time, nor a passport, nor the money to go to Mazatlan on a mission trip to work with orphans um, through back-to-back a, a ministry that we um, are a part of. You think there's not needs here? You think there's not people that are wounded and broken here that you interact with? Usually those wounded and broken people are mean. Normally. You ever had a reaction like I, I got stuck in the uh, Wrightsville Beach Marathon traffic yesterday for two hours. It was awesome. It was not my plan. I did not run the marathon. Just absentmindedly parked really early before the marathon started over there. And so the guy was taking me, and so I, we could only get like a mile and a half from my truck. So I got out, walked to my truck, and then left so he wouldn't have to sit in the traffic. And I was at this light, um, wanting to turn, and like everybody's trying to get out of there. No one's like, <sighs> do you ever like get stuck in traffic? And you're like, man, this is awesome. Like I was just waiting for this moment where I couldn't put my car in park because we're moving a little bit and a little bit. But, you know, so you can't take a nap in there, but you're just moving. And everybody's frustrated and tense. And we get up to this light, and there's a big box truck in front of me, and we're turning left into the traffic that still got to go through a light. And it's this one light where runners are coming by, that they only let cars when runners aren't coming by. So you could sit there forever, depending on what, um, how people are coming through. And so we get to the light, and the box truck is in, like making the turn on a red light. And what do you do with a red light? Me? I sat there, because it's a red light. And the guy behind me is like, Nyack! I'm like, what do you want me to do? I mean, like, and there's part of me that's like, you know, that wants to open my door and be like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to run a red light and run into a car? No. But the problem is, is most of what we want to do in our community is love on nice people. But do you realize that most people aren't nice because they're broken? Because something is off in them. And I don't mean like, Something's off in them mentally. I mean, something is disconnected. They've lost who God has created them to be, and they're not walking in His ways, and they've missed it, and they're angry, and maybe their marriage is falling apart. Maybe they just lost their job. Maybe all of these things are going on. We don't know. And like, if we don't pull ourselves out of that, we'll respond right back. We'll kick our door open and go, you know, and, you know. Get in some guy's face. I mean, you feel it? The roads. I mean, if you want to know how your soul is doing, just drive. You can tell real quickly how good your prayer life is, how good you're understanding the mercy and joy of the Lord, because it will be taken from you. There was no mercy. Okay, let me just pet peeve, if this is you. When you know the lane's ending, and so you knew you got to be in this lane, and you drive past everybody and force your way in there while these other people are waiting patiently because they know this is the turn lane. Shame on you. Shame on you. And I don't want to let you in. I didn't. Like, this was happening yesterday. I knew the turn lane, and they had this other turn lane blocked, and like all these cars. I've been waiting for an hour in this. 
and you pull up beside me, and I know I, I, I see your blinker, but I don't care. I don't care. I'm like, I get it. I get it. You want to be over here. I just want to go home. Just like you, but I got in the back of the line. And I was, I, you know, like, there was a lot of, like, presence of the Lord during that going. And I'm just like, I'm not making eye contact with them. And I'm thinking of my church sticker and all the other things. And in that moment, I didn't let them in. Now, over here, coming in and off the bridge, during normal scenarios, I, I let them in. But there are needs in our world to to reach out to people. And, and the only way that we can respond correctly to people is understand who we are in Christ. And the, in, the, in the mess that's been forgiven to us, because we were that hostile person to Christ at one point. And if we're on the other side of that hostility and we've experienced His mercy and joy, it's only because of what He's done for us. He's called us to go and sin. And, and let me let me just I want to jump into this last section um, of Luke five. Yeah, it's when I'm, I mean, I've, I've preached this before and I, I think it's crazy to the extent that people will bring people to Jesus. But it, it shares my point. Here's verse 17. <clears throat> it says on one of those days. He was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst between before Jesus. We're like, I am, you know. It's too much work, like inviting someone to come to church. These men had a friend who had been paralyzed. And these men came to where Jesus was. And the religious crowd were around him. They were listening to his sermons. They were like getting excited about it. And they, they roll up on the scenario. Now, if it goes back to my Wrightsville Beach Marathon traffic, they would just cut through and went around everything, which I wouldn't recommend doing. But so they rolled up on the house and it was packed. There was no way in. There was no way they were going to lay their friend before Jesus. And they, they wanted him to be healed. So what they do is they climb up on the roof. Could you imagine? This, was, this is somebody's house. Somebody's house is like, yeah, Jesus. Man, you got a good thing going. Why don't you come to my house and use it as a ministry spot? And, you know, people can come in and hear the word. And, and you're sitting there. You ever had a ton of people at your house? When, before we launched, we used to have a small group in our house. We had about 40 people in our house, and our house is not that big. And, you know, kids would be upstairs like. <laughs> you could literally see the dust and the lights shaking, and, you know, it was it was crazy. And, I mean, when it's your house, you're like, I just heard something break. And, you know, like, 
something just got spilled on the couch. And, and you're thinking about that. Like, not that I'm like, oh, you know, we'll clean it later. I didn't say anything. Um, I didn't go crazy or anything. But, like, when it's your house, could you imagine sitting there and, and you're amazed because Jesus is in your house. And, and the power of God is there for him to heal people. And all of a sudden, you start seeing, I mean, the dust. And you're like, I don't have a second story. And it's not windy. And then you see the first tile rip back. Could you imagine the panic when your roof gets peeled back? <laughs> You're like, this was a bad idea. And then another tile gets peeled back and another tile enough that they can lower someone through the hole. Can you imagine Jesus? Now, Jesus is God in the flesh. And he understands what's going on. He understands. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, like. The roof has fallen. Guys, be careful. He was, he was right on cue. The roof opens up. And this person on his mat gets lowered right before Jesus. And, and he didn't go, um, I've been in line all day. You can't get in. Like I did at the traffic yesterday. Jesus sees an opportunity. And he sees, I mean, could you imagine looking up through the roof? <laughs> like, there's lots of dumb videos out there that you can see. I mean, it's pretty easy to visualize this. But you're looking up through the roof, and like Jesus looking up there at his friends, and they're like, yeah, we did it. We just ripped somebody's roof open, and we put our buddy down on the ground in front of Jesus. I imagine that they're teenagers. There's no respectable adult would ever rip a hole in somebody's roof. Right? Okay. Maybe. And, and look at this. <clears throat> In verse 20, it says, And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, talking to the, the guy on the floor, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Could you imagine, just for a second, so they're like, our buddy's about to be healed. This is going to be amazing. And the guy that's going to do the healing says, your sins are forgiven. That's like when you get the wrong order at a fast food restaurant, and you're driving down the road, and you pull it out, and if you, you, know, you may take a bite of it, and you're like, it's got onions on it, and I don't like onions. I mean, you're, you're not getting what you think you're getting. And so I imagine the friends, like, you know, are still high-fiving up there, and all of a sudden, your sins are forgiven, and they're like, okay, let's, I mean, I, I think their enthusiasm probably chilled for a second, and they're like, let's see what's going to happen. <clears throat> and I love this. So the scribes and Pharisees, those are the religious leaders of the day. And they're constantly coming to Jesus and challenging something to him. They're constantly trying to get him to trip up. And so Jesus says this, not just for the man, but for those scribes and Pharisees. And it says, And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks these blasphemies? Because it was not anybody else's right. It's not my right to go, Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven by the power of me. They're not forgiven. Period. <clears throat> Who can forgive sins but God? 
Could you imagine if your teacher had the capacity while you were in school, like when you're whispering, like they're an idiot, they don't know what they're talking about. Could you imagine if your teacher, you know they're not close enough to hear you, like catches in on the conversation and said, you know, um, no, I'm actually correct, you're wrong. I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, I love when I hear things that I'm not supposed to hear and interject. It's, it's funny, I think. Okay, just me. <clears throat> and so he, Jesus perceives their thoughts and he answers them. So he, it's not like they were talking to Jesus, like, how dare you do this? They were having a conversation, maybe whispering in each other's ear, and he perceives their thoughts and he answers them. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? I mean, because I could say, your sins are forgiven, and there would be no testimony to what actually happened inside of Christ. I mean, I can't say that. But if Chris came in here on a wheelchair, and you knew that he was paralyzed, he's been coming to this church for years, and, and we said, rise and walk, and he rose and walked, there would be a clear testimony, there would be a clear Miracle or not miracle. In verse 24, it says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. I mean, I always think through these stories of like, what, what, what was his initial thought? Like, here's a guy that couldn't get into the room. His friends lowered him down onto the floor, and, and he was laying there probably like a, a lump. I mean, he couldn't move. Could you imagine the faith it took to believe that what Jesus, this man who is speaking to you in this room that you were just lowered into, and he says, not only your sins are forgiven, but he says, rise and walk. Could you imagine something that you could never, it'd be like me saying to you, like, hey, rise and fly around the room. Like, let's Peter Pan this. Like, okay, Terry, I just sprinkled you with dust. Go. I, I don't know why he didn't jump off the chair and fly around. But could you imagine this young man, it, it, you know, maybe something physically happened in him to where he's like, okay, you know, like there's a little movement where there wasn't movement. Maybe he just sprung right up. You know, so the, the, the delayed cheer upstairs kind of calmed down during the sin talk. But now when the healing happens, I'm sure they're, I mean, they're probably jumping around. It's just like my house during um, the small group meeting with the kids upstairs. And there's more dust coming through. And they've already weakened the integrity of the roof by ripping a hole in it. But their friend gets up and walks out of the room. See, here, here's our challenge. This isn't even a church building. This is a senior center. Monday through Friday, this speaker is really throwing me off. Monday through Friday, they feed seniors in here. Like, you literally can come in here and have lunch, and they do meals on wheels out of this building. This isn't the temple of the Lord that is, you know, consecrated. This is a building that we're using. Right. And it is very easy to forget the reality of the holy God that we worship 
in this borrowed space. And not that any building is consecrated and holy and pure like it was in the days of Moses. Actually, the the temple now is you. The one who carries the Holy Spirit in them. The one that God has deposited. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Could you imagine having the cure for cancer? We've had lots of people in our church over the years that we've been here. Some have died from cancer. Some have struggled with cancer. and Some are in remission. Could you imagine having the cure for cancer? Having cancer, finding a cure, having as much of that cure that you want. Having access to it. Taking it, knowing that the cure worked. But then kept that cure to yourself. This is what we're talking about. God the Father, and we're celebrating this in the weeks to come even more so, knew that us, the people of earth, could never do what they could do. Because if they could have done it by their work and merit, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes would have succeeded. They would have been the champions of the successful life that leads people to God. But His He, Jesus, the incarnate God, came here to let us know that we never had the capacity to do that. You do not have the life force inside of you to heal yourself. I don't care what book you read. I don't care what diet you're on. It doesn't work like that. We don't have the power to change ourselves. And I'm not talking about like... So some of you are like, he just said, never diet, diet doesn't help. That's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes we think if we, we do these internal, external things, we personally, it's going to change us. When the reality is that Jesus has told us over and over again, and what we're going to look at over the next two weeks specifically, is that he alone brings us to freedom. He alone changes us. And so imagine us here. Saying, hey, Jesus is for us. And enjoying the presence of Jesus. Enjoying the forgiveness of Jesus. Enjoying the change that he's doing in us systematically to make us more like him. But choosing to not offer that to anyone. I've been really convicted lately of how willingly I am to invite people to some things but not others. Really convicted how easy it is at times to invite someone to a restaurant or something that you love more than it is to invite them into the presence of the living God. More than it is to rip the ceiling off and bring them in to the presence of the Lord. Are you interested in that? It's convicting. It it takes effort and energy. It takes us being connected to the Father. It takes us being interested in the words of God. See, we're not selling people the idea that we have of God. We're not selling people a concoction that we've made out of the best things that we found. We're selling people a creator who loved them so much so that he put flesh on lived the life that we couldn't live, led himself to the cross allowed himself to be abused, 
hung on the cross and die for us. Which gives us the only access to the forgiveness and the life that we so desire. So here, here's my three things that I just want to challenge you with is um, you look at this little card during the week. And, and I, don't want, I don't want this to be random. Like, if God leads you to invite somebody randomly, that's fine. But, I, you know, this only works in relationship. People don't come here to hear me. I'm not that great of a speaker. And sometimes I get sidetracked and talk about getting stuck in traffic. Some of you may only remember that. And I apologize. But people come here to connect to something greater than them and connect with other people that are trying to do the same thing. They're looking for people. So who in the next two weeks are you going to begin to talk about Jesus with? It could be some of the most awkward conversation ever. That's all right. I have awkward conversations all the time. And some of them have nothing to do with Jesus. Because I'm awkward. Ask somebody that knows me. I just have a way to... It's like my spiritual gift. Awkwardness. So who are you going to talk to Jesus with, talk about Jesus with this week? Who are you going to love on and serve because of Jesus? Like, how are we going to show that God has really changed us other than us? Going, God, I'm yours. I'm submitted to you. There's so much wisdom in what we read in the word. I mean, just go into Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 19, one of my favorite. When words are many, sin will abound. And what do I do? I run my mouth all day long. And I just need to read that. I need to, you know, like put it inside my car, not outside, because then they'll like, they'll go, are you doing that? But who are you going to love and serve because of Jesus? Not because I'm challenging you to, not because this is a church initiative, but because God has called you to love other people who... And here's your one. Who are you going to bring to church over the next two weeks? Like if what we do in here is important. It has to be better than an enchilada. It has to be better than homemade sauce. It has to be better than all of those things. And what would it look like for you just to go. Hey, neighbor, like we've known each other. But I'd love you to be my guest to church on Easter. I'd love for you to be my guest next week. I'll I'll save you a spot here. I'll meet you in the parking lot so you don't even have to walk in this building without someone else that you know. What does that look like? I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. Look, I know if you've been around church, it's like, you know, there's always this this gong going off of invite people to church, bring people to church. And I, I don't want this conversation to be lumped into that. Lumped into this reality that, yes, you know, we should. Yes, God has called us to love on others. Yes, God has called us to share him. Yes, he has asked me to prepare the way. 
Our world will only change when we, we, not churches, not pastors, but when we, the people of Christ, change. And so maybe this morning, it's more about what God needs to do in you so that you can be what God's called you to be. Maybe this morning you, you've you know been distracted by things and you've just not connected to the Father. You're you know you're like I don't need the Word. I've, I've, I've read it, read the Bible. I had enough of it. I don't read it anymore. What if we took serious our time and connection with the Father to go? What are you asking me to do? What are you calling me to do? What if we took this time serious? What if we, as a family, begin to pray like, who are we going to intentionally build a relationship with? And relationships are messy. People are messy and broken. And only when we allow God to heal us do we have the capacity to minister to other people. And so as we leave, I just encourage you, um, as we go into this last song, uh, this card be a reminder. Like, who are you going to take responsibility for? And I don't mean like it's your responsibility, but I mean, who are you going to say them? I, I have a family. They're not in the church. Uh, that I don't know why, but it's, that's everything I want to say, it sounds aggressive. Like, I'm going to go after them. I'm not going to stalk them, but what would it look like just to have a conversation with people like, I would love for you to enter in. I mean, if you're a regular attender of Reach, I mean, you keep coming back here for some reason. Maybe that reason would be good for them. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you um, that it is never ending. And Lord, I just want to lift up everybody in this room that for their life could be falling apart. They could have barely made it in today. And we want you. Lord, we believe that the Jesus that people ripped a roof open to lower their friend to is still the same Jesus that we can have an encounter with today. Still the same Jesus that's calling us to Him. Not for a gift and not even for a healing, but a connection to the living God. And Lord, I I pray that you would allow us to see our responsibility as not a burden, but a gift. So Lord, I pray that you would just use these next few weeks to challenge us to actually begin to do the things that you call us to do. Let us go into the world and make disciples. Let us invite people into our lives. And so, Lord, I pray as we close and worship, as we sing words of praise and adoration for you, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us Be the men and women that you've called us to be, not by our work or effort, but by submitting to you. We pray these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.